You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our show today. Before we start our show, I want to tell you about a new webinar series that we are starting called Advancing Our Church Through Challenging Times. And this is a webinar series designed for parishes, schools, dioceses, uh, nonprofit Catholic organizations that are looking to move through this COVID-19 crisis. And we're going to discuss a, a number of different topics. It begins, by the way, this Thursday, May 21st at 11 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to talk about the topic of engaging young adults. I have a, just a, a very dynamic panel of professionals who are coming on board. You can learn more about them by visiting our website at changingourworld.com. Click on Thought Leadership and then click on Advancing Our Church Through Challenging Times. We'll also leave a link here in our show notes uh, that'll take you right to that registration page. But every Thursday for the next few weeks at 11 a.m. Eastern, we're going to have a new topic. We're going to talk about young adults this week. Next week, we have a dynamic panel of Catholic Foundation presidents and executive directors. We're going to talk about philanthropy and serving dioceses. We're organizing a panel around annual fund. We have another one on financial stewardship and some of the financial challenges and opportunities for parishes and schools that are reopening. So we have some great strategy sessions, some good roundtables that we have assembled, and those will be available live on our webinar every Thursday, again, at 11 a.m. Eastern. And that's a free webinar. You can share it with other colleagues. Uh, You'll see it out on our social media. And again, we're going to drop a link here in the show notes. I hope you'll join us. We have a terrific interview today with Father Don Zeeler from St. Gabriel the Archangel Catholic Community in Texas. Father Don and I are going to talk about how he has been engaging his community through the COVID-19 crisis. Some of the creative ways in which he's stayed in touch with his parishioners has provided service and and sacraments uh, through this crisis. And uh, it's just a beautiful church. While we were talking today, I I interviewed him via our uh, video conferencing, and he was able to put the camera up to the window. And I saw just his gorgeous, beautiful, brand new church that he has built with his community. And what a joy. And I'm sure some sadness that they can't be together in that church building. But um, just it's a great interview. You're going to learn a little bit about uh, how he has been managing through this environment and, and really uh, re-engaging people in maybe a different way. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, Father Don, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So how's the weather in beautiful Texas today? Well, it is a beautiful day. It's partly cloudy here. Uh, I think we're right around 70. And the storm that they were predicting has kind of held off. So we're happy. Oh, nice. (laughs) Very good. Very good. So, Father, let's begin our conversation today and learn a little bit more about St. Gabriel the Archangel Catholic Community in McKinney, Texas. Tell us a little bit about life in McKinney, Texas. We're one of the newer parishes in the Dallas Diocese. Father uh, Greg Kelly started this parish back in 1996. And he is now Bishop Kelly. Oh, and okay. We get him back here as often as we can. He needs a little fix, you know, to celebrate Mass in the community whenever he can. Nice. And so we've been growing ever since. McKinney is in the middle of a, a growth spurt and has been for about the last 10 years. So we're adapting to that. And we're changing our, our ministries, the way that we're ministering to the, the demographics here, the the, the age structures. So we, we, we just 
built a brand new church, uh, a big church. We went from our old worship space, a seating capacity of about 700 people, to a seating capacity of 1,300 in our church. That's tremendous. So we're, in some cases, it's not big enough. So we have uh, we have a, a wonderful problem on our hands. And so we've been in this mode of offering ministries, trying to meet the needs of the people, trying to figure out who may be falling through the cracks. Uh, that's been for the last year. We just dedicated the church in 2019, February 2019. And since then, we've just been in this, this huge learning curve of how to how to deal with uh, the mass of people that has come to our church. So that's our uh, situation right now. That's a that's a happy problem to have. That's great. That's yes. great. So um like every other parish around the country, you guys have been faced with this COVID-19 crisis and the social distancing and all that. How have you been staying engaged with your parishioners throughout this journey? It's been difficult and it's been a challenge. We've had to close the doors to to public access for just for safety reasons and sure. uh that was an, an immediate shock to the community. Uh they're used to coming in and they had fallen in love with the church, with the interior, with the the, the courtyards outside. So it's been a huge adjustment. And so what we've tried to do is stay engaged online as much as we can. We've offered live streaming masses that they can see every weekday and on the weekends. So we, we've tried to do that. I've had to learn a whole new skill set to live stream my own masses. <laughs> that's been, <laughs> that's been an interesting learning curve there. And ha- been, what, what, do you, been- what do you use for that, Father? Do you use Facebook or do you use something else? We, we upload to Facebook Live. Okay. I have a little Mevo, a little... Uh, a little device that I just I just turn on and hook up to my my cell phone and that becomes my microphone and I can zoom in and, and zoom out and it's uh, it's not so- something I never thought I'd be doing but it's been actually fun. Now is that something you you worked on your yourself or uh, did your parishioners get involved in trying to help put this thing online? Well, for the, about the first two days, I had one of my one of my staff members, our direct mm-hmm. our, our communication coordinator. Mm-hmm. She taught me how to use the little device, and it was right about then when we had uh, decided we're going to go ahead and close the parish offices, mm-hmm. and the staff was going to be working remotely from home, so there was nobody around to help me, and I, I had to learn this in, in a, a day or two. So the first few days were uh, terrifying, but actually, once, once I got the hang of it, 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 it's not that hard. Not so bad, yeah. Well, we're seeing more and more pastors do that, and it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting to see that online presence. Do you think it's yes. something you'll want to continue uh, after this crisis has passed, or do you think you'll do it once in a while, or what do you, what do you think? Oh, definitely. We're going to keep doing it. In fact, during this time where the public is not entering this, the church, we've installed cameras where we're going to be able to live stream weekend masses in the big sanctuary, and also in the little chapel, we've, we have a camera. So we're having a training session just this week to, to have people program it for us. That's, so we'll keep doing it. Absolutely. That's tremendous. And uh, I, I assume you're going to use a service for that one. Well, we're probably going to keep doing what we're doing, uploading mm-hmm. it to, to Facebook Live. Oh, okay. Yeah. On top of that, every morning our staff gets together. We use Teams, you know, as one of the apps that we have on our, our Microsoft product. Sure. And we pray together every morning as a staff. We have a, a prayer huddle. 
So we keep in touch that way and share what's going on in our, in our ministries and in our lives, too. That's wonderful. And have, have, has that also translated, have you used that, that tool uh, with committees and other parish groups? We do some, some of that with teams. We do some Zoom meetings. We do some WebEx meetings. Uh, we've gotten used to having finance council meetings uh, over online, and our parish council too. We keep it. We were able to have meetings online that way. We were just adjusting to it. Sure, and I've done the same thing with my own uh, parish. Uh, I've engaged with a pastoral council meeting, uh, I guess, about a month ago on on a Zoom meeting, and it creates a different dynamic. But I know also just from my own work, I've, I've gotten to know people in a different way because we get on the phone, we get on the call every morning and we, we're talking to each other face to face. We're connecting. I think it does a lot more than than a phone call would, you know, just seeing people and in, in, looking them in the eye and talking with them and just kind of connecting with them. Oh, absolutely. Being able to see who's there and... It's it's curious also to see uh, where they work from home as well. Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> everybody has a different setup. Exactly. How's the the spirit of your folks uh, through this whole process? Well, overall, I would say the 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 spirit has been just this resiliency. People are so creative in ways ways that they can get together. I've been a part of several online prayer groups. I've been online happy hours. Uh, yeah. I've been people who are having even with my own family. You know, I've uh, we on Mother's Day, I had my mother up in Arkansas. I'm here in Texas. Uh, my nephew in New Orleans. Uh, something we would never we wouldn't have been able to do that without being forced to. It's been a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways. But yeah, the people of the parish, uh, some are struggling. You know, there's a lot of loneliness. Uh, there's some depression, you know, uh, some economic struggles uh, with layoffs. A lot of fear, a lot of worry about the future and how long this will last. What's going to happen to my family, my friends? What, what if somebody actually contracts, you know, the COVID-19? That's, uh, that's always there and is present. And we're trying our best to minister to that, uh, mainly through... We're, we're offering reconciliation again. In the Catholic Church, that's a great sacrament of uh, just being able to, uh, to be honest and to, with yourself, uh, say out loud what, what it is you're struggling with, and, and to, to hear those words, uh, it's okay, you are forgiven. You know, it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. So we started that again. Little by little, we're starting up with uh, small things like that. That's a blessing for the people. So, um, so tell me about that, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Do you hold it as a service? Are you doing that one-on-one, or how does that work? I'm just curious. In general, we, it happens one-on-one, where mm-hmm. a person will come into a confessional, uh, a room mm-hmm. set apart just for that. Mm-hmm. In well, a lot of ways, it's just it's like counseling. People sure. can, can say what it is that is, is most pressing on their hearts, what, what's heaviest, what they struggle with the most. To name that is is very valuable uh, to help helping to let go of the power that it has over you. And we name that we call it sin. You know, we we name that particular struggle that this person is having. Part of it's it can be part counseling. You know, part pastoral counseling. Sure. Confession is a way of of receiving a, a special grace. Every mm-hmm. sacrament has special grace, a sacramental grace. And for confession, for reconciliation, it's it's to help make choices great good better choices going forward it's it's meant to help heal hurts perhaps with relationships things like that that's the beauty of the sacrament and psychologically it's uh you know it's brilliant mm-hmm. <laughs> but spiritually it's transforming so that, that's the beauty of the sacrament and yeah. it's not us but it's the lord who's doing it absolutely absolutely 
I was curious, what is the dynamic then of somebody coming in for the Sacrament of Reconciliation now that you're, uh, because of the social distancing piece, are they still coming in in person or are you able to do that over video conference? I'm just curious. Oh, sure. It has yeah. to be in person. Sure. And so what we've done is we've moved into our former worship space. Now mm-hmm. it's just a large parish hall. Yeah. So we've even put signs on the floor, six feet apart saying, and you know, stand here until the next person moves forward. And then we have ushers people who are helping them. And when they're ready, we have temporary walls set up in the corner. And uh, we, for if you want to be anonymous, that's fine. We have a, a screen set up. And if you want to go face-to-face, we have a plexiglass shield that I sit behind. And uh, we can have a conversation that way. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's great. Yeah. Any word in your area as far as when reopening? Or are you all still in a in a quarantine state? We're actually still uh, in a very early part of our startup plan. The Diocese of Dallas came up with a a plan to phase in different uh, activities. Right now, we're trying the the, the simple ones that we can do a little more easily, like the reconciliation piece. And also, if there's a funeral or a wedding, we're allowing that. We did have just saying 10 people can be present, but now uh, it's 25% of the capacity. But just family events like uh, funerals, weddings, uh, we can, and baptisms, things like that. Uh, we haven't yet moved into phase two would be, hopefully we would be able to offer a, a daily mass every day. And people could come, they could attend, uh, keeping social distancing, of course. Phase three would be where we would include the weekend mass. Uh, That's when most people come. And that would be another challenge to keep 25% of the capacity spacing and and still celebrate a mass. Sure will. So that would be uh, another phase a little way down down the line. What's some of the feedback you're getting from your parishioners as far as, I'm, I'm sure many of them are missing that sacrament. We all are coming to Mass every Sunday. Uh, yeah. I would imagine it's going to be difficult when the doors do open again to just keep it at 25%, uh, considering how many people want to come back to the sacrament after being away for so long. Oh, yeah. We have people who are just missing the sacraments. And in the Catholic Church, you know, the sacraments, are they're communal. That grace bonds us together and, you know, makes us the body of Christ. And so a lot of people are realizing just how much it meant to them now that it's taken away from them. So there's been that wonderful wake up, that realization uh, of just what we, you don't know what you have until you until it's gone. They're hungry to come back. There's different people uh, that are, that say, even if we do open, I don't think I, I'm ready to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still, there's a fear that uh, that maybe it's too soon. And that's perfectly fine. That's why we're going to keep live streaming. Uh, and we'll find a way. If they want to receive communion, we'll find a way to get it to them. We'll, we'll try to do what we can to, to help uh, everybody. Yeah, I'm sure. How have you seen uh, giving uh, in your parish? Uh, I would imagine you already had an, an online option. Uh, have people mm-hmm. been uh, engaged with that? Well, it's the, uh, online giving has been a huge help for us. Sure. And we were already up around 40% of our giving was electronic. So that's even increased. So that's that's a, been a, a huge blessing. I pray for the other churches that, that are struggling now, you know, because we, we've cut back on all of our activities. We've cut back on cleaning, things like that, until we're going, until we're able to have public uh, masses again. But in the meantime, we, we of course, missed our budget, but <laughs> we've also cut down expenses. So we're surviving thanks to some people who were quite generous and gave their whole year's tithe in one month. So oh, wow. 
that helped us get by. But that means that we'll be struggling again uh, later on in the year. But we'll just take it kind of one week at a time. Do you think that this um, this whole situation has, uh, in some ways, changed things for the future, or is there? Do you see any permanent repercussions for the way people interact with church or the way they uh, engage with the sacraments? Uh, do you think there'll be lo- any long term effects? from this experience? Actually, I do. I think that, let me answer this maybe in two different ways. Sure. Some people have realized how much the sacraments mean to them and have come back. Some people who were just kind of doing the punch card thing, you know, uh, I'm doing my Sunday obligation and uh, and that's good enough for me. But there's some people that have said, Wow, I I need this, uh, and this is be- this. I didn't realize what a huge part of my life and my faith this really was. So that's I think the people that we'll see, however they can, they're going to find ways to receive those sacraments. And I think that it has changed a lot of people. In there's some people who have found that they can worship and have a, a wonderful spiritual encounter in their own homes, uh, and that's kind of a wake up as well, uh, a realization and awakening that they've really embraced the whole domestic church idea that their families now pray together their families uh, uh, as a as a group or even neighbors you know pray together so that in itself has become like lights shining in the community i i, I pray that continues that's a wonderful thing but uh as a church uh, i'm curious to see how it does go forward whether participation will be increased or decreased um i don't know do you think there's some lessons that we can learn from this as a church? I mean, I think uh, I think certainly the church is more vibrant and more present today on social media and on the internet than ever before. I think it's going to be hard to put that back, and I, I hope that it doesn't in many cases. Uh, oh, I think so, that our where our presence on the on the the web is going to be uh, greatly increased, and I think we're learning that. It's interesting how even the way that we minister is going to be different, uh, even for the fall. One thing that has been a great blessing for St. Gabriel's is the way we do faith formation. It's done with families, gathering in homes. And the the structure was already in place for them to be small faith-sharing groups. Uh, I think that will become a lot more prevalent. And I think that we've been receiving calls for people asking, how do you do this? And how do you how do you get the parents to teach and things like that? So we've been helping others get on board with that. So I think that that may be a, another direction that the church may be exploring too. I mean, you could theoretically have religious education classes on a Zoom call, just like the kids are doing now with their classwork. Maybe uh, maybe that mm-hmm. happens at different times, and maybe that provides people more flexibility and more availability. Oh yes, yeah. we, yeah. we that's what we we started yeah. doing that yeah. as soon as. As soon as we were not able to have any any uh, meetings here on campus, they were doing it by by Zoom call. And what we discovered also is that a lot of people they have one computer in the home, and when it has to be used for this particular purpose, then the kids can't get online for their homework and or things like that. And we didn't realize it, it's become a hardship for some people. So we're trying to help work through that as well. And so we have another option for home-based, uh, you know, where the parents teach the kids whenever they can, and uh, we give them all the materials and instructions. And so that may become a more popular option. Do you see yourself rescheduling things like a, a first communion or other uh, activities that couldn't happen in the spring now, perhaps in the summer or the fall? We are. We've put on the calendar. First communion has always been the first week of May. Sure. 
It was about, I think, uh, early April, mid-April, when we realized we were getting word that a lot of grandparents were going to risk traveling to mm. just see their grandchildren receive First Communion, realizing, okay, I don't, we don't want to put anybody in danger. So we're going to go ahead and postpone First Communion. We rescheduled them for August. Just as the kids are getting, well, we'll see what happens with school. Uh, so we don't know. But uh, as the kids would be getting back into school and activities will be starting up for the year. And mm -hmm. that's when we'll do First Communions this year. Confirmations as well. Yeah, I, I agree that there are so many, like you know, my parents' age and my, my wife's parents' age, we worry about them because they're more vulnerable. And you think, uh, I guess now with the, with the technology you've installed in the church, you know, families could theoretically just tune in that way to watch the First Communion and enjoy their, maybe not put the parent, put the grandparents at risk in that way. And uh, yes, yes, yes. Really capture it easier. We've been wrestling with different ways of doing First Communion anyway. As the classes get larger, we used to have one weekend where they, they signed up for the Saturday Mass or a Sunday morning Mass or a Sunday evening Mass. And First Communion took place in the community. Mm -hmm. And so uh, now... We are a little too large for that. So we're probably going to have to have a special First Communion service. Yeah. Well, you've got that growing parish and that growing area. So again, yeah. a, a happy problem to have. That's great. Mm -hmm. What does your summer look like, Father, uh, as you kind of roll into slowly reopening? Uh, I would imagine there's some excitement, but are there any special activities or preparations that you're you're taking now? Our biggest challenge is learning how to disinfect properly oh, the, wow. the, the worship space. And making sure that we can be make we make it as safe as possible. And by the end of the summer, we'll have that one worked out. I think the other things are. This was a big debate and a and a kind of a heartbreaking decision we had to make. We had to cancel vacation Bible school. Summer camps are going to have to be done in a totally different way, and it may just be a you know some kind of an online presentation. Little, it's, it's changed everything. And even the campus, uh, we, uh, people come here to the courtyards to pray a lot. And we're going to make sure that remains open. And eventually, well, the church will open. Sure. You know, to one, we want to be as prepared as possible. That's great. Sounds like you've done everything that you can to make uh, church accessible to folks and, and available. And eventually the sacraments will be available. But um the thought that occurs to me is the thought of uh, of going like live on on the internet and yeah. the thought of i guess being i don't know what to call it like the being an, a media personality never never even crossed my mind <laughs> but the most commented thing that i get is people saying we hope you keep these masses online i've never listened to a homily as intently as i did when and i had i'm i'm right there in my prayer space at home right and so that's been a wonderful blessing, and I hope to see that increase in ways that we can be creative and uh, keeping it going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've all we realize you don't sometimes you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. And I think um, there's probably a lot more people attending daily mass than there were before. Now that it's so available, and so many different parishes are doing that across the country. And I appreciate all that you're doing. It was also our privilege to work with you on your capital campaign uh, few, several years ago. And you showed me a picture of your parish and what a gorgeous building it is. And I'm sure you're excited to get everybody back in there, right? Oh, we are. We are. And so, you know, we're just letting God take the lead on that. And it'll happen one day. Absolutely. Well, thanks for your time, Father Don. I appreciate it. Best of luck to you. And thanks for all you're doing for your community. Thank you very much. 
I want to thank Father Don for being on our show today. Father, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your vocation to your community. Congratulations to you and your staff for all of your success and keeping your parishioners engaged throughout this crisis. And best of luck to you uh, in the coming months and uh, as as you continue to to move through it. What a beautiful parish it is. And uh, we're so fortunate to be a part of your story. Thanks for being on our show today. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And once again, just a reminder about our webinar series that is beginning this Thursday, May 21st at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and the topic is Engaging Young Adults. I'll leave a link in the show notes, and I hope you'll register and join us. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information about us, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Stay safe. God bless, and thanks for all you're doing to advance the mission of our church.